What a beautiful sight. It's so good to be with you and see you again. It's so lovely to stand here and see you from this perspective. Um, we've had an a incredible, restful time as, as, as family, and we so enjoyed it. And um, I so appreciate this church family. Um, every time I come into this family, it's just one of those things that I see as an incredible blessing. I cannot understand that any Christian can live in isolation out of church. In an actual fact, the Bible says it's not possible. So this is something I truly appreciate, and it's something that I want to encourage you with to recognize, the incredible blessing of church and, and this type of fellowship. It's a blessing. It's like marriage. It's a blessing that God has given us, and, and it's something that we can experience right now. Now, today I'm going to speak to you about a word from God, but before I start there, I just want to tell you a little bit of a, a story. Um, we had a, a young student girl, uh, Mamie, that stayed with us in, when we still lived in Portchestroom. Her name was um, Mamie Lane. And Mamie was from the South, Louisiana, so she was brought up well. We were called Miss Renette and Mr. Rudy, you know, so um, well brought up with a good vocabulary, good upbringing. Um, but her father died at the age of 16, so it was such a blessing to have a daughter there, and it was such an incredible time with her. But every evening um, when Renette made food, she used to say, oh, it's so awesome, or it's so nice. It's so nice, Miss Renette. Your food is so amazing. And then I, I, I one day said to her, you know, Mamie, I think you have more words in your vocabulary than nice and awesome yeah? to, to describe Miss Renette's food. I think you need to come up with better words to describe her food. So I said to her, every evening, you need to, even if you have to now go and Google it, come up with a new, fresh word to explain or describe the food that is placed in front of you. And she actually did. So every evening, we were waiting for this word. And I mean, some of the words I had to go and Google, you know. <laughs> and it's like, okay, explain that one, Mamie. So in the same way, I, 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 in, in our family... What I experience is that we need to, in our understanding of, of God, need to work at our words. And, and what it does for me is it, it actually helps me in my growth of understanding God. So God is awesome, God is big, but I want more words. So I'm trusting God, and I've, I've bought myself a book, a diary, with 366 pages for every day. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a leap year. Yeah? And every day I'm trusting for a new character trait or word that will describe God or my relationship with God. So by the end of this year, I will have 366 more words to describe God or my relationship with God. And I think it's something that we need to truly go and seek. The word says we need to go seek God 
And part of it is, is, is how do I see God? You know, and, and sometimes words are a way to explain that. And it's so important that when I then trust for those words, I trust that those words will come from God. I trust in my quiet time, in my meditation with God, is that he will tell me a word to explain himself. Say, Rudy, this is who I am. So every day I'm looking forward to this new, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I am. And my, my hope is that I will grow in the greater understanding of who God is. Because ultimately, that is the most important thing in my life, is to grow in my relationship with God. Because I believe that if you have a, a strong relationship with God, when He speaks, you will hear Him. There, is, there, there will be less questions and there will be more acceptance. It's like if you know God's heart and when He reveals that to you, you will accept it easier. And, it is, and, and, and you will see God as this incredible big God. So it's so important that we grow in our understanding. I mean, 2 Peter speaks of those promises, but it starts off by, through you knowing him, <laughs> you will receive these promises. What are those promises? These promises, in many ways, describe his character towards us, his love towards us, what he wants for us. And I believe that is what we need to grow in understanding because Satan wants to steal that understanding from you. Because if you do not believe that he's provider, for instance, you will not ask him. You will not trust for it. You will be scared. But if you know that the creator of the universe is backing you, why would you stress? But really know it. and Really have faith in it. And I think that is what I want to speak about today is when we look at the word from God, it starts for me with God, not the word from God. Now we're trusting from the word and sometimes we so, right, Lord, Lord, I just want that word. Thank you very much. And then you hold on to the word and where's God? That word means nothing without the God. It's like the morals that the world loves and want to hold on to. I mean, people will send their children to Christian schools because they've got morals, but they don't want the God that is linked to the morals. That's the point. Now, today I'm going to read from Luke 1. And it's a, it's a piece of scripture that you know well. Okay? It's a longer piece of scripture. Alright? But I believe that you will... Listen and that the Holy Spirit will reveal something through the scripture. Because here you have a scenario. It is the birth of John the Baptist that is prophesied. And it's the birth of Jesus that is prophesied. And it's actually back to back. First John the Baptist and then Jesus in that piece of scripture. And it's incredible to see the contrast in how that word from God was received. And that's what I want to highlight. So when I read this piece of scripture, 
Look at the two scenarios. Look at, the, at what happened, okay? Look at the reaction of, of the people that received the word and then their response, okay? That's what I want you to, to look at. What is their response? Because that's the question that you need to ask yourself is if that happened to me, what would my response be? You know, many times I said, if God could only just put up a billboard for me and just tell me what to do, I would do it. And then the answer comes back from God. No, you won't. Because in this piece of scripture, an angel, Gabriel, an archangel, that is in the presence of God himself came to bring the message. And the one believed and the other one disbelieved. It's incredible. An angel. If an angel appeared to you and gave a word from God, would you believe it? Maybe not. <laughs> because, and I'm running ahead in terms of my preaching now, but sometimes your thinking is in a place where you cannot believe that that is possible. Even if an angel brings the message. How is that possible? And, and the reason for it is, is, is linked to your faith. It's linked to the ability to receive the supernatural. Because a word from God is from the supernatural. It's linked to the supernatural. And it can only manifest because of God and God making it happen. It's not the word that has the power. It's the God that has the power. It is the God that is making it happen. He's just informing you. And it is you that then respond. Okay. So, are you ready to go through Scripture? So, the first part that we're going to read is the birth of John the Baptist that is foretold. And that is the heading in the NIV. And it is Luke 1, 5 to 25. So you're going to listen to 20 verses. All right. So in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Say Zechariah. Who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So they were righteous people. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, verse 9, he was chosen by Lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. So when an, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped by fear. Say, Zechariah was fearful. Verse 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. 
He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Verse 16. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Say it's an amazing word. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? Yes, really. <laughs> His next words, after that amazing words, is, how can I be sure of this? And there's a reason why he says it. I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. So he's looking at his circumstances and his reply is, impossible. How can this be? The angel Gabriel is telling him that. Verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Verse 20, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And it's as if God's saying, you will not speak unbelief. Until this happens. It's incredible. Verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. I always wonder why they put in verse 23. He didn't stay at the temple, he went home. Okay. So that is the story of of Zechariah. Verse 24, after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. And she said, the Lord has done this for me. She said, in these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Right, so that is a story of where the angel appeared to Zechariah to prophesy the birth of John the Baptist. And now we're going into the next verse, and that is the, 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 the prophecy of the birth of Jesus Christ. All right. And now the angel is appearing to Mary. Are you ready? Great. Verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Say she was a virgin. Okay. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at, this, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. 
His kingdom will never end. Say, that is an incredible word. Verse 34. She also asks a question. How will this be? But it's not, how can this be? How will this be? She just wants more information. Because, hey, she's a virgin. Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Say that. For no word from God will ever fail. And look at her response. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word be fulfilled. That's her answer. She just wanted to understand how it's going to happen. And then when she understood, when the angel gave him more information, she replied, here I am, use me. Then the angel left her. Okay. Now, Mary visits Elizabeth, and I just want to read this piece of scripture as well, because there's something at the end that I want to highlight. At the time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country in Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Bless are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. What an incredible statement. There's an incredible blessing when you believe that the word that you've received will happen. In other words, she had faith in the word of God. She had faith in God. So that is the, the scripture. You have these two scenarios. And I just want to highlight eight things that we recognize, that I want to highlight to you. So the first thing is the angel of the Lord appeared to both. By Gabriel appeared to both of them. And both of them was frightened at first. Okay, they were startled. And in, in both cases, they were reassured by the angels. Okay, all right, and he explained who he is. Both received a word from God, amazing words, and both received word um, that was supernatural in nature linked to their specific circumstances. So in Zachariah's case, they were very old. They were beyond that point where you would expect them to become pregnant. Okay, so that was their circumstances. In Mary's case, she wasn't married yet, and she was a virgin. All right, so, so in both cases, it was unique, and both of them could have asked, but how is this possible? Okay, so the word they, that they received was linked in a supernatural way to their circumstances that did not make sense in the flesh. Okay, you get that. And both asked questions revealing their heart condition. The one said, how can this be? And the other one said, 
please just give me more information. Zechariah was in disbelief and only praised God after the miracle happened. And we see that in Luke 1, 64, when the child was born and they wanted to name him, he, he said, hey, I want to speak. All right? And then he wrote, he said, his name is John. And then at that moment, he, he, he could speak. And at that moment, he then praised God. So he praised God only after the miracle. Didn't praise God before. In Mary's case, when she received the word, immediately she praised God. It was immediately that recognition and thanksgiving and praise towards God. So she had faith. She couldn't see it yet. I mean, just think about it. I mean, in those years, it would have been an incredible disgrace for a, a woman to become pregnant and she's not married. You wonder what would have gone through her head. But in that moment, she just recognized the God moment. And she just praised God. In the Zechariah situation, he was in a religious setting. And, and I think because of his religious mindset and because he understood his circumstances, he reacted in a certain way. But in both cases, the supernatural was the only way. Okay. So those are the eight things that you need to, to recognize from the Scripture. And I want to use this to highlight four things that I want to apply to our lives. Because you might now ask, all right, so what? And I think for many of you it's like, all right, I, I, I see what the Scripture is saying. Already you, you, you might ask, how, how would I re, you know, react in those circumstances? How is my faith? Uh, where would I start praising God in this? Okay. So the first thing that I want to highlight is God often gives us a word that challenges us in our current circumstances. It does not make sense to our natural understanding, and it requires faith. It's a word from God. I mean, my parents are an example of that. They, they're moving to Pretoria on a word of God. Nothing else makes sense. But it is God, and it's only by God's grace that this can be walked out. So many times when we do receive a word from God, it challenges us. Because at that very moment that we receive the word, it must, must, might be so challenging in our circumstance that, it, that we can't see it happen. I don't have the money. I don't have the education. I don't have the health. I don't have the right age. Whatever. It's God speaking to you. He can do anything. Anything. Do you believe it? And we need to recognize where our mindset is regarding this question. Because when God speaks to us, it is as if he would test our faith. And the Bible says he will test our faith. Because in anything that we do regarding his word, we need to be reliant on him. And he knows that. You know, when, when someone knows that he's the best and that's God, you cannot present anything else. I'm the best, so here I am. <laughs> that's God. And he's the only being in the universe that can say that. 
It's the only you being in the word, in the universe that can give you word that will counter any other. And that's what we need to believe regarding God. We need to have faith. Now in Ecclesiastes 11, 5 to 6, it says, As you do not know the path of the wind, or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sometimes we need to just understand that there are many things we do not understand. How do we know things? Through God. Because He's the one that knows all things. And it's interesting in, this, in the second part of the scripture, he says, Sow your seed in the morning and at the evening. Let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this is or that, or whether both will do equally well. What he's saying is, be active. Many times when, when you receive a word from God, you might say, yes, I have faith, but there's no action. You don't plant one seed. Okay, Lord, you will tell me where I need to plant the seed. And what Scripture is, is in many places telling us, it says, get active. Get active in the things that you know you need to do. Put that first foot forward and you will see how I will guide you. We call it active waiting. Okay, you know, when you, when you get pregnant... You don't receive, or when, when that first seed is placed inside of you and that baby grows, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes nine months to grow. There's a growth process that happens. Okay. In the same way, you know, the manifestation is not just the pregnancy. It is the baby at the end. But the pregnancy is there. That is... The, the sign that there is life. And many times we do not recognize that. The seed is in the ground and it is growing. But there's nothing. It is germinating. There's nothing. I don't see anything. It's growing. I don't see anything. Oh, what happens when you do things like that? When you go back and you question and you wonder, you kill the seed. It doesn't grow. You're going to take out the baby and, oh yes, it is alive. <laughs> That's stupidity. And I, and I deliberately say it that way because when we treat the word of God like that, when we put our hands on the things that it's God's, that only he can grow, we will kill it. It is God that grows the life. And sometimes we do not understand it. We do not see it. It's not in our timing. It's not in the way that we think or understand. But it is God. It is God. And that's why I say when we, when we look at the word of God, we need to have a great picture of who God is. I like these two statements. Do you want a God you can explain or a God you can praise enthusiastically? Because we can let the mystery of God support our doubt or build our wonder in awe. 
I mean, it's incredible if you look at the contrast between Zechariah and Mary. I mean, it could have been so different for Zechariah. But luckily, his wife, Elizabeth, she took the word immediately. So he, so you see, enjoyed the life. In Hebrews 11, 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Earnestly seek him. Point two that I want to highlight is, our response to God's word will affect our journey to the manifestation of God's word. And when I speak about manifestation, is the reality. It ha- it, here it is. Okay. And faith in God's word releases the blessings of God. So important. When you receive a word, it is like a seed. There is a, a scripture in 1 John 5, 1, 5 that sets the starting point. And, and for us as Christians, it links us to that relationship. Okay? So for you to receive that, you need to receive this principle first in 1 John 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and caring and carrying out his commandments. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, for anyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is who is it that overcomes the world is the question? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So that is the starting point. That is the gospel that sets us up in that relationship so that we can grow in our understanding of God. So that when we then receive the Word of God, when we receive the promises from the Word of God, we can receive them in confidence because it can only be received in this condition. In Christ Jesus. Right, so I just want to set that. Now in Mark 4, 26 to 29, there's this, this parable that Jesus uses to explain the kingdom of God. He says, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed in the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, um, though he does not know how. Okay, and what he means is he can't see yet. All right. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. It speaks of the manifestation of the seed. But what happened? He let it grow. He didn't take out the seed. He trusted God to let it grow. It it says, he doesn't understand how it grows, but he believes that it will grow and that God makes it grow. So then it grows, and then at the right time, God says, you can harvest. And that is the incredible thing about the Word of God. There's a time of planting that seed, which is the Word, that you receive from God, and then you let it grow 
so that you can receive the harvest and the fruit of his word. But that is linked to time. And it's so important in that time that you, on a daily basis, have faith and believe. The Bible speaks of we need to endure. The Bible speaks we need to run the race right to the end. Because you can forfeit your prize when you do not run it to, to the end. Satan wants to steal your seed. He wants to steal the fruit of the word that has been planted in you. Many times, the fruit that should have come from children of God in the church has been stolen from the church because it hasn't been walked out in faith. There are many things that we should see in the church today that is not there because the fruit has been stolen. It's been dug up. And it's so linked to the word. You need to cultivate, protect your word. And what does that mean? It's protect the relationship that you have with God. That's the way. Because when you start doubting the one that gave the word, you will start doubting the word that you received from the one that gave the word. And what will happen? You will go dig up that seed to see if it's growing. And you try to put in human effort where human effort should not be. It's God. God territory. You do not meddle with God territory. You trust you believe, and at the right time, you will harvest. That's what the Bible says. There's another scripture that speaks of, do not lose your full reward. By implication, it says there's partial reward. Throughout the Bible, it speaks of endurance. Throughout the Bible, it speaks of holding on to we cannot live without God for one moment. It's not just a moment of receiving the word. It is walking it out right to the end. And it's so important. So, scriptures that we need to then keep close to us is like, I know God loves me and he'll never leave me. And it speaks to the what? To the character of God. John 3.16, Hebrews 3.5. I know He's for me and not against me. Romans 8.31. I know God's word is true and His heart is kind. Psalm 33.4, Acts 14.17. So those scriptures you then keep close to you, not to protect the word, to protect your relationship with God that gave the word. And I think that is what religion has stolen. Just give me a word. No, give me God. <laughs> Leave the word. I mean, how many times the, the, the Pharisees came to Jesus said, just show us something. Just show us. Come, come, come. Prove to us. And Jesus refused. Because it would have meant nothing. Because they didn't understand. They didn't receive the relationship. They didn't receive him. And he gave it to those who received him. That's why he is the starting point. So out of my relationship with him, I can now see the fruit of the word that God has given me. 
And it's what you find in the Word and what you found personally, God tells you, do this, do this, do this. And how do you grow in that understanding? Through obedience. And the more you obey, the more clarity we'll have. John 14, 21, that says, Jesus will reveal himself through you obeying him. That is a promise. The third point is we can ask God questions regarding his word. And that's something that out of religion we sometimes misunderstand. You can ask. You know, it's, it's like God tells you you're going to receive a call. So there's the seed, the word. You're going to get a car. Now, you can either say, that is impossible. I don't even have a job. My dad cannot afford it, and I don't even know anyone that can do it. Okay. You can answer that, or you can have this conversation with God. Oh, that's good news, Lord. What color it will it be? What model? That's a different conversation. And you know what? God enjoys those type of conversations because those are conversations that speaks to Hebrews eleven six. You believe that he is and that he's the reward of those that diligently seek him. That is a conversation that says, yes, you are real. You are having a conversation regarding that because you, it's a person. God is not just a concept. He's a person that you can have a conversation with. So when you receive a word, you chat to God. Like that, you chat to God. That's how you do it. And if you see it anywhere else, that's religion. Yeah, I just need another conversation. I tell you guys, it's as simple as that. And it is so rich. And it builds your faith. Because if you know that it's going to be a Roy Ferrari, man, <laughs> that builds your faith. But if it's a Roy Foxy, the same. <laughs> You've, you've been walking. The point is, that's out of the heart of God. You know, I've realized I've bought many cars in my life, too many. And I realized that I don't know which brand I like. God knows. I never will buy a, a Kia. Ne? But then God showed me that I, I can drive a Kia. <laughs> and I'm enjoying my Kia. But the point I want to make is sometimes we don't know what's in our hearts. We don't know what we enjoy. We don't know what, you know, we've, we've put ourselves in, in those boxes. My partner, a Toyota gereis, so ek rei a Toyota. En miskien wil die Heere vir jou BMW koop. You get what I'm saying? Ask the Lord. Have this conversation. You don't know because you don't ask. You don't have this conversation with God. And He wants to bless you. He wants to chat with you regarding these things. It's not just this word and then he goes. It's like, can we, can we get excited about it? You know, it's like when I, when I buy a present for my children, you know, I, I cannot but try, you know, but this is for us, uh, surprise. Yes, I cannot hold the surprise or keep it a, a surprise. You know, it's like, what do you think? What, what is it? <laughs> no, it's not that. It's bigger. You know? <laughs> and, I, and I think God wants to have that conversation with us. It's no, 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 no. Think bigger. Oh, no, no, no. You th- oh, you're thinking way too small. And get excited with God. But in religion, that beautiful relationship has been stolen. 
in families, we've been hurt by bad parenting and bad relationships. We've been hurt. So we don't see that we can have those conversations. But God really does. And, and you see it in his word. In uh, James 1, 5 to 8, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generous, generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Okay. Just think of a conversation where you go to someone and you ask something, but before they can give you your answer, you just walk. You just wanted to pitch the question, and then you go. It's like, how weird is that? Truly. Really. And we do it with God. We go and we ask the question, and then we just leave before he can answer. That is what that scripture is speaking about. You are double-minded. It's why do you do that? You're wasting everyone's time. If you go to God, wait for an answer. But it speaks to your faith. It speaks to Hebrews 11.6. Do you believe that he is? Because if you out of religion just did it, but you don't believe that he is, you don't really believe that you will receive an answer. He tests our faith in him. And God will gladly give him the answer. Because that speaks of relationship. God is a relational God. That's why the gospel is there. That's why Jesus Christ came. So that we can have that. That's why it's, it's good news. The last point I want to highlight is. It's more of an encouragement. It's choose to be faithful and, and a, a faithful servant of God, and praise God before the manifestation of his word. Rather be that, be a Mary. Is Lord, I hear you, I'm excited, Lord, I love it, Lord, I'm going to walk it out with you. That's what faith is. It's not just receiving it, it's walking it out with him. That's what true faith is. Um, in John fifteen seven to eight, it says, "If you remain in me, and my words remain—that's the word—remain a blade in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It glorifies God when I buy things for my children. It's like it shows." I want to care for them. I'm, I'm, I've got there, you know. And, and God, it glorifies him when we bear much fruit. And it's out of the fruit of the things that he gives us. It's out of the words that is manifested through our lives. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope. And, and uh, for and the assurance about what we do not see. Let me read it again. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. And this becomes easy when we know the character of God. Because when you receive a word, it's just a word. You can't see it. Hope is a God picture. That's what hope is. 
And if I have a God picture, I can hang on to it. So I have confidence. Confidence means I'm assured. When I phone my, my son and I tell him I'm going to buy him something, he can put the phone down and he can tell his friend, right there, my dad is going to buy me that and it will happen because I'm a good dad. Now God is way better than I. That is what confidence means. Okay, The picture has been, been put there, but it's through the word. And then assurance of what we cannot see. Now, these were in, in Luke one forty five. This was spoken about Mary. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. That is what you want to be spoken about you. Blessed are you who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises. Blessed is Vili because he believed that the promises of God will be fulfilled over his life. And I can go through everyone here. That is what you want to hear from God. And it means blessed is the one who has faith in God's word. Blessed is the one who loves God. Again, I think the number one thing that I want to highlight is that the word of God is linked to God in relationship. Okay? So the question is, how will you respond? Protect your word through your relationship with God. 